Hey, Rock Bridge, my name is Matt, uh, one of the pastors on our team. Excited, delighted to welcome you here, all six of our locations, and also those of you that are online. Thank you for being here. I, I just ask you to believe something. You are not here by accident. God's got something for you. We're honored that you're with us. And if we can help you take next steps in your journey, we've, you've got a connection card near you, the chat function, if you're watching online, and then if you're in a physical location, you also can meet up with a pastor or an elder at any of our lobby spaces, connect here areas in our campuses. So hey, we are rejoining a series that we started back in August where we navigated through 11 chapters of Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, the first letter called 1 Corinthians. It's called, the series is called Ripple Effect. And uh, if, you're, if you're new or weren't part of that, one, you can look online and find them online. But really, chapter 12 marks a good break in the action, and, and, and it's going to be a little bit of a direction change. Before we get there, let me kind of give you the, the premise, okay? You know when you drop something in water, it creates ripples. And the bigger the, bigger the weight or the bigger the object, the bigger the ripples. And so what 1 Corinthians is all about is that God, when he dropped into history as, as the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and when he died on the cross for us instead of us, rose again from the dead, it created like this big ripple in history and, like in, and in our hearts. It's the most impactful event, and when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, it causes a ripple effect in us. Now... Here's where we're going. Today and the rest of the series is talking about our role in the ripple effect. So when Christ grips us, when Christ grips our heart, we have a role to play. And that sort of introduces 12 through 14. Now, to really get us thinking and understand what Paul's talking about, let's go talk about Top Gun, right? I think a lot of us have seen probably the new one, Top Gun Maverick. I was 11 years old when the first one came out, right? And, and the first one, two big characters, right? You got Goose and, and Maverick, okay? I'm 11 years old, right? So my boys saw this one this summer, and they're like, well, we got to see the first one. So we figured it out and got them to see this one. Now, here's where confusion comes in in life, okay? If you don't know who the main character is and the supporting characters in life, it will cause massive confusion. So if you've seen Top Gun, you know that Goose is the supporting character. His story ends tragically, but it's his death that actually propels the story arc and the character development and advancement of the main character played by uh, Maverick, right? And even in the next movie, the sequel that just came out, this, his death and their relationship still affects him to this day. So supporting main. Now for a lot of us, Life gets confusing. God doesn't make sense because we sort of think we're the pilot and that we're the main character. And so we ask questions like, what will make my life easy? We ask questions with a big emphasis on the first person pronoun, me, myself, I. Did I get what I deserve? How does this affect me? And really, 1 Corinthians is all about that dynamic of the Corinthian Christians, the Corinthian church, thinking they're the pilot. Really, uh, this role in the Navy is called a radar intercept officer. He's, like, he's a naval flight officer. This is a naval aviator. There's a difference. This guy supports this guy. This was a mission specialist, but he's not the pilot, right? And, and so the confusion that Paul is speaking into 
as we talk, start talking about the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Heard that one before, right? And, and we start talking about all these things that get kind of out of whack in our world and people don't understand it or run from it or are confused by it or why does God and why didn't God. It's probably going to come back to this dynamic of who's flying and who's supporting. Who's the main actor, main character, and who's the supporting actor? So into that, Paul begins writing to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll look at verse 1. Now concerning spiritual matters or what comes from the Spirit. Some translations say spiritual gifts. That's, an, that's probably inaccurate. Paul starts off talking more broadly. So things of the Spirit, things of God, the third person of the Trinity. He says, brothers and sisters... I do not want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be ignorant. So here, here's what's going on. He's talking about things that come from the Holy Spirit of God, but in Corinth, they have forgotten the source, overlooked the author, and made it about themselves. They're flying the plane, and God's in the support role. They are, they are flying the plane, and, and, and it's about them. If they have a spiritual gift, which we'll get to and define that, it's about them. It's about their experience. It's about their manifestation of the gifts of God. If they go to church, it's about them. If they go to worship, it's about them. When they go to work, it's about them. They've reversed the roles, right? Goose to maverick, maverick to goose. They've reversed all of that. And so Paul is speaking into that, that very dynamic. He continues and he says this, You know that when you were pagans, so when you didn't know Lord, Jesus, when the ripple effect of the cross had yet to be, grip your heart, change the direction of your life, make you a new person, when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols, powerless idols. You used to be led astray by sex, by power, by money, by people pleasing. You used to be led down the road created by your anger or your cynicism or your addiction or your habits. You used to be led astray by your career. You used to be led astray by all these things. Well, what happened to you? How did you get out of that dead-end street? He says, therefore, I want you to know. Here's what happened to you. No one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed or lives as if Jesus is not Lord. And no one can say, big confession of the Christian faith, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So you were on this dead-end path. Life was all about you and the idols that you put in place of God. But something happened to you, not of you, not from you, not because of you. The Holy Spirit got a hold of you and enabled you to confess Jesus is Lord. So in, in layman's terms, what Paul is saying is this. Becoming a Christian is supernatural or by the Spirit from the get-go. Becoming a Christian, being a Christian is supernatural from the get-go. It is God's story. God is the main actor. God is the main character. God is the one who started it. God is the one who will finish it. And that is a truth of Christianity that is easy for us to forget or not realize. Some of you are not Christians because you think you've got to make something happen. You can't. Some of you are not Christians or not fully devoted to Jesus because you're sitting back waiting on something to change, thinking you've got to break a habit, start doing something, and, and I'm telling you, you can't. 
It's all an act, a movement of the Holy Spirit of God. So think about it for a second. Let, Let me ask this question. If I were to ask you this question, how do you know you're a Christian? Okay? A lot of times when that question gets asked, here's what we do. We, st- we start with this, because I. And then we say, because things like, well, I am a good person. Well, I was raised by Christian parents. Well, I got baptized. Well, I prayed this prayer at this service way back in the day, and, or I checked a box, or I walked down front, and they told me to pray some kind of prayer, and I did it. Who's the main character in that story? Who's the supporting character in that story? But really, truth be told, for all of us who are, who are, uh, who are Christ followers, it's not because I, it's because God. Because God loved me, because God pursued me, because God's Spirit opened my eyes to see the worth and the glory and the power and the grace in His Son, Jesus. Because God chased me, because God sent His Son for me, because God moved and I just simply said yes to His movement. That, that's, how, that's how we know we're a Christ follower. That's what's happened to us, and, and that's what we understand, and, and that's, that's the supernatural aspect of being a Christ follower. Now, that, that talks about how we became a Christian, and now Paul moves past that, and he starts talking about living as a Christian. Now, here's what he says. He says, now there are different gifts, and he's going to use four different words. So this is way broader than a narrow understanding. It's it's broad movements, virtues, and activities. Different gifts with the same spirit. There's different ministries. That's where we get the word deacon, which basically means servant, or deaconess, which means servant. But the same Lord. And there are different activities, energies. But the same God who works in them, who, who who works all of them in each person. So God is working in a diversity of ways as people exercise their faith and walk as a Christian. So not only is becoming a Christian supernatural, but being a Christian is supernatural. Listen, being a Christian is supernatural. It is animated, influenced by the Holy Spirit. It is God working in us. It is God moving through us. And so being a Christian is supernatural. Now, here's where this kind of breaks us off of culture and where we get a little bit confused, okay? So again, if being a Christian is supernatural, who's, ma- who's the main character? Who's the pilot? Who's the mission specialist? We can reverse that because here, here's where this is crazy. Our culture is based on achievement and tribal identities. By that, I mean we have a tribe. Some of our tribe is political. Sometimes it's racial or ethnic or socioeconomic. Being a Christian is not based on either of those things, right? Even gifts in our culture are given for achievements and milestones, right? You know, hey, let's give gifts because they graduated from. Let's give a party because they were promoted to. So, so all that God is doing is by grace. It is his movement. He's flying the plane. He's supplying the fuel. He's supplying the power. He's doing the work. We are in a support role. And, and so it's all based on his achievement, not ours. Now, here's where that's good news. That means... That Christianity is for everyone. And I've got sort of there. That means, that means there's no bar you have to clear. There's no act you have to clean up. There's, God does the work. 
God achieves what's necessary for us to say Jesus is Lord and then for us to live at Jesus is Lord in our activities, in our gifting, in our ministries, in our expressions of life. So, so, the so the sort of is this, though. Shame, fear, guilt, insecurity, and weakness do not disqualify us. Only our pride does. Only our pride does. It's only our pride that says, I'm a good person, or I can add something else to the salvation equation. And, and so the ironic thing is, People that have shame, guilt, fear, insecurity, and feel weak are actually closer to God than people walking in pride. Than people walking in pride. So it is supernatural to be a Christian, to become a Christian from first to last. Now here's the question, and this is where this gets interesting. What if we lose, miss, or become unaware of the supernatural aspect of Christianity? So, and a lot of us functionally don't live or don't understand that Christianity is supernatural from first to start, from first to last. So what happens if we lose it? Well, here's what happens, okay? Then we settle for cultural Christianity, traditional Christianity, ritualistic Christianity, or we may not even be a Christian, okay? So it's like this, okay? Let me, let me pull a chair out here. So if our cameras can get that chair, right? So if I, if I were to say, hey, if you were to say, hey, Matt, sit in the chair. I don't really need any help to do that, at least not yet. I turned 48, though, soon, okay? But not yet. So I sit in the chair, right? And for some of us, that's what Christianity is. I came to church. Hey, somebody told me to pray a prayer one time. I prayed that prayer. I sat in the chair. Because I sat in the chair, I'm a Christian. And then sometimes pride takes over. And, we're like, and what, what, if it, what if you're like, hey, Matt, sit in the chair. And I was like, yes, I did it, right? You're like, you sat down. You sat down. And a lot of us have a sat down version of Christianity. What Paul is saying is this. That's really not Christianity. It's supernatural. Paul is kind of saying Christianity really looks more like this, Right? Now, here's what, if you could talk to that turtle and you say, hey, how'd you get up there? He'd say, I have no idea, but I'm pretty sure I had some help, right? <laughs> hey, how did you become a Christian? Somebody put me in God's family. Somebody did something to me. The Holy Spirit moved on me. How do you live so different? How do you live and serve and bless and execute ministry? Because Holy Spirit has done something that you can't do and I can't do. Christianity starts with this, I can't. I'm pretty sure that turtle can't get up there on his own. I'm pretty sure there's nobody here that can get into heaven on their own or can live as a Christian on their own. And that truth is so fundamental, but it's so lost because our pride wants to say, but I did it. You sat down. That's natural. That's not natural. What Paul is talking about is supernatural. So, now that we're positioned here, God has positioned us in his family. God has put his spirit inside of us. But he does it for a reason. He does it for a purpose, right? So our Christianity is not traditional, passive, comfortable, real, real, cultural Christianity. It is powerful, purposeful Christianity. Why, God? Verse 7. 
a manifestation, a demonstration, an exhibition of the Spirit is given to each person, each person that God has acted on through the cross, through the gospel. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good, for helping build up the church, for the edification of other people's faith. So here's what it looks like, okay? The Holy Spirit that Paul's talking about has a very defined role inside the Godhead, inside the Trinity. And, And the easiest way to say it is the Holy Spirit works to show Christ and glorify Christ. This is what Jesus, this is Jesus' job description for the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit, who is God, will glorify me, the Son, because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit will show us things. The Holy Spirit will teach us things. The Holy Spirit will illuminate things. Let, think about it for this. Think about it for a second. Have you ever thought about this? You and I cannot be good enough to go to heaven. It took a bloody death by a guy in around 30, 33 A.D. to save the world. Now, if you've never heard that before, you're saying, Matt, you're kind of crazy. That doesn't make any sense, which is what chapters 1 through 11 beat into us that is the foolishness of the cross that saves people. The only way I can receive a foolish message is if a supernatural encounter occurs in my soul. That's the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit shows Christ. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ. So when we and the, when the Holy Spirit is put inside of us, what would, the nat, what would the supernatural outworking or overflow of the Holy Spirit be logically? So now by the Spirit, we manifest Christ to build up, strengthen, encourage faith in other people. The Holy Spirit's role is what? To show Christ, to produce strength and faith in other people. The Holy Spirit indwells us, and so we have that same thing. We manifest Christ. Now, let's even get more outrageous and get a bigger vision for our lives than when we walked in here with. God wants to literally show himself through your life. Think about that. Think of, it is way bigger than, hey, I just got to go to work in the morning. God wants to show himself through your life. And so that brings us full circle back to our main characters, supporting characters. We are supporting characters in the story of God for the glory of God. We are supporting characters. We're goose, mission specialists. We're not the pilot. Supporting characters in the story of God for the glory of God. And and, and now we can start to ask this question. Okay, because this is where we want to end up as a church, right? When and why do we want the Holy Spirit? When and why do we want supernatural power? Now, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Sometimes we want supernatural power to get it to get us back to our comfortable spot, right? A spot where we don't need God anymore. Isn't that true? We want supernatural stuff when we reach the end of ourselves. Or we want supernatural stuff when we get moved out of what is natural to us and we want God, help me get back to my sweet spot. 
what this passage is screaming at us through implication and insight is when and why do we want the Holy Spirit is when we realize I cannot. I, I, can't be, I can't get on top of that post. I cannot walk with Christ. I cannot overcome addiction. I cannot represent Christ at my job by myself. I cannot. When you say you cannot, you know how close you are to the power of God? When you say I cannot, do you know how, far, how close you are to being saved by God if you're not yet a Christian? When you say I cannot and you embrace weakness and you say I am not going to settle for what I can do because the life God has for me is based on what I cannot do, we are poised for a breakthrough. So you see, our best, our natural is not good enough when it comes to salvation. Our best, our natural, is not good enough when it comes to kingdom living. Let that liberate us for just a minute. From our performance-based, achievement-based, what I can do, what I can accomplish, culture. Let that get us up out of our seat of what we can do naturally and open ourselves up to supernatural life, to supernatural living, to full-fledged power of God, presence of God with us. It opens us up. And then Paul starts to describe what it looks like, examples of what it looks like when God is showing up through us, when God the Spirit is working through us to build other people's faith, to show people and remind people of who Christ is. So here's what he says, verse 7 through 10. So back to what we said, a manifestation of the Spirit, a showing of Christ to build strength and faith is given to each person for the common good. And he gives a list. To one is given a message of wisdom through a spirit, to another through the spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Same spirit, diverse expressions. Hear me. God loves diversity. He loves unity in diversity. One spirit, diversity of exhibition of spiritual gifts. So on, when we get underneath uh, Scripture and the spiritual gifts, a couple things. There's six different lists in the New Testament for spiritual gifts, and they're all, they all have different components. So probably this, these six lists are not exhaustive lists, but more like examples. This is how God shows up through people, through their faith, through their speaking in tongues, those who can prophesy, those who can teach, everybody gets a gift, everybody gets demonstrations, everybody can manifest God, but the Spirit of God determines how and when that looks like, what that looks like. And that's what he says next. He says this. He says, one and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he will. So who decides what gifts people get? Does Goose or Maverick, right? Who's the main character? The Spirit is. Who decides what gifts Matt Evans gets? The Holy Spirit. Who decides what gifts any, spirit, any Christ follower gets? The Holy Spirit. He's sovereign in that. And, and then Paul start, starts to answer another question. So 
where do these gifts tend to show up? Where are these gifts needed? Where, where are these workings of the Spirit designed by God to be displayed, to be deployed? And he says this, where would you think? Well, if the Holy Spirit's role is to show and glorify Christ, when the Holy Spirit fills, controls, works through a person to do what they cannot do naturally, he does that to, show, to use them to show Christ in ways that build up, strengthen, encourage people's faith. So where would these show up? In the very place or body that is to be the hands and feet of Jesus, the mouth of Jesus to the world. And that is the church. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body through many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. So he's just eliminated tribalism, racism, uh, division by cl social economic class. It's all because of one spirit. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. One spirit, but a diverse collection, each functioning, each functioning interdependently, just like the human body. He gives an analogy. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it's not for that reason any less a part of the body. So he's talking about, hey, don't withdraw, don't isolate, don't go lone ranger with yourself. Your gifts are needed. The Spirit works through you uniquely, sovereignly, graciously, and powerfully. So don't withdraw. Don't settle for natural Christianity. Don't settle for what you can do. The body needs you. The Spirit in you, that is. Now, you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And then he says this, and so God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, the witnesses of Christ, the authors or their students were the authors of the New Testament, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, leading various kinds, leading of various kinds and various kinds of tongues. And then Paul asks rhetorical questions, and the answers to these questions are all no. Okay, so he says this, are all apostles? No, there were just a handful. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all do miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. It's like saying, is every part of your body a foot? Well, no. That'd be weird, right? You wouldn't work. So what he's saying is, but God in his sovereign graciousness has put his spirit in us to save us and put his spirit in us to show Christ in a diverse variety of ways that function harmoniously and interdependently to glorify God. Now, that's a lot of theology. It's a lot of stuff that we don't, haven't always talked about. But let's stop and step back for a minute. What, what if this weekend... Some of us, all of us, many of us said, you know what? I've settled. Or I've been sitting. Naturally, traditionally, culturally, ritualistically. But God has shown me in his word... That he doesn't want me to sit and do what's natural to me. 
He wants to do something supernaturally. In me first through salvation and through me second to manifest his son in ways that he sovereignly but graciously chooses to gift me. If we're ready to stand up and forsake cultural, natural Christianity, what would happen? Let me give you some thoughts and suggestions. First thing is this. Let's see the vision. Let's, let's really get Jesus' vision for our lives. Okay? Because we're, we're the support. He's the main. Okay? Don't reverse. But let's get his vision. And, and let's, let's understand. Maybe, maybe through culture or tradition, or man, I was in the Bible belt, or your sin deceived you. Maybe, maybe your vision of Christianity was, you know what? I did it. I prayed some prayer, or I came to church, or I thought I was a pretty good person. I did what I thought I was supposed to do, but today, God has moved. Today, you're like that turtle. You got put on the post, and you did nothing to help it. You just cooperated by faith in what God can do in you, through you, and with you. See that vision. Number two, don't settle for natural. Let us forsake from this day forward, at least in this church, what we can do. Let's not settle for natural. We cannot save ourselves, and we cannot live fully in the full and abundant life naturally. Let's embrace this word, this phrase, I cannot. So here's what I say. Our admission plus the Spirit's provision. You know what our admission is? God, I cannot save myself. I cannot save myself. God, I cannot live the full and abundant life without you. God, I cannot serve you without you. God, I cannot reach my potential, fulfill my purpose, live into my holy burden, my holy passion, my holy ambition without you. I admit, God, I cannot. But, God, I am not settling for what I can do. I am standing up and saying, God, like that turtle, you put me on the platform you want me to, and you live your life through me, Lord Jesus Christ. And then, here's what I would say. Don't get wrapped up trying to figure out your spiritual gift. It'll be death by introspection. Okay? Don't look for a label. Don't try to pinpoint your gift. Just get moving and be the church. Be the body of Christ to one another. Somebody in this church, in this room, in your small group, somebody in your orbit needs to see Jesus the unique way the Holy Spirit has gifted, equipped, and positioned you. Would you embrace that vision for your life? Would you embrace Jesus' vision for the church? Not your cultural vision, but Jesus' vision. And let's be the church to one another. Now, let me close with this. There's some of you here, I really believe this. There's some of you here watching online, one of our locations 
And today needs to be your because God day. Because God showed me today my need of Jesus Christ. Because God died in my place. God died instead of me. God would love to put his spirit inside of me. Matt, I have, God, I, Matt, don't say it to me. God, I have been living my life as the pilot. And I've crashed way too many times. Today, I am going to give it all to King Jesus, to be my captain, to be my Lord and my King and my Savior, because God is speaking and pursuing me. And I am going to just simply say yes to who he is and what he's done. If that's you, welcome to heaven, welcome to the kingdom, welcome to the church. And so for all of us, Let's be the church. We pray together. God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, I know we talked about a lot of things. And I know this subject is one that doesn't get touched on much. So God, in my weakness explaining it, I pray your spirit has been sufficient. And I pray, God, all of us have clarity from your spirit. Because your spirit is not a spirit of confusion or darkness. But he shines the light of, on Jesus. And he shines the light on through your word to our hearts our minds our souls to show up in our actions of faith so god would you move us today to be more your body would you move people today out of their seats and into their place and position of purpose in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit we all pray together amen